Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. So today we're discussing one of the themes that we love talking about on this podcast, which is friendships. And the question that we're posing today is an interesting one, which is can friends be our partners for life? And to help us unpack and navigate this question, we have two very special guests. We have Shilpa Fatke, um, who is a professor at the School of Media and Cultural Studies and the co-author of Why Loiter? And we have Nithila Kanagasabai, who is an assistant professor also at the School of Media and cultural studies and both of them together have co-edited a beautiful anthology called Yari which is an anthology on friendship by women and queer folks. So we're very very excited to unpack this question with you and to start off with let's ask everybody um, where you stand on this issue of can friends be our partners for life. This is Shishti your host by the way. Okay so hi this is Shilpa. Uh, so yeah I think that um, that so certainly friends can be your partners for life. And one has had many, many friends who are one's partners for life. And uh, for instance, I, I have a school friend whom I met when we were both in grade four. And uh, she's still one of the people I turn to uh, when I want to talk, when I need something and someone whom I want to vent to, even though she now lives thousands and thousands of miles away from from where I am and so so for instance the the night my mom passed away I called her at 4 a.m in the morning to just yeah I mean to just tell her I think my answer would be a resounding yes to that that our friends are very much and also to think about whether those who are our romantic partners are also our friends for life in some ways okay to just take off from there hi this is Nitila uh, and I definitely think I mean as a single woman in her mid-30s uh, I think that friends can be partners for life. In fact, for me, they have been. Um, uh, whether it's, I mean, when I think of partners for life, um, I, I think of uh, people doing very mundane things like grocery shopping on a weekend. And I've done that with friends. I continue to do it with friends. Uh, we've, sit in, we've sat together and figured out taxes, how to do your taxes. Um, or whether it's just prioritizing holidays with you, right? So you don't come as an afterthought. It's not something that you do after you've spent enough time with family, but uh, something where you prioritize your friends. You want to plan these holidays with them. You want this time with them, especially if you live in different cities and then you have to get together during that one month that each of you gets to come together and spend quality time with each other. So I most definitely think that uh, friends can be partners for life. Okay. Hey, this is Rohita. Um, for me, my answer is that I, I wish friends could be partners for life, but then I feel like we're also in a time where uh, that's like not practically happening because a lot of people are entering into these like long-term institutions of like, romantic relationships like they're, they're getting married or they're getting into like serious relationships and then there's no time for friends and like I I mean I can also I'm not not to say like not to exclude myself from it but then it's just the kind of like life patterns that we find ourselves falling into that don't make it possible so I just wish that it were um, some other way. Yep. So, okay. So that's where all of us stand on this question. Um, and it's amazing to hear those resounding yeses and then that reservation from Rohita. And, and I think I'm somewhere in between because you want to believe that friends can be partners for life. But like Rohita pointed out, there are also a lot of institutional pressures, social pressures, things that make it much more difficult to navigate this this idea in a similar way. So to start off with, let's go back to the beginning and talk about the ideas of friendship that we imbibed growing up. 
so uh, you know what kind of depictions of friendship did we see in pop culture um is there a particular show or a particular on screen friendship that stood out to you and which became formative in how you thought of friendship or how you identified your friendship with somebody else on screen okay i could go first yeah uh, so for me growing up uh, i don't know i grew up with this idea that friendships were always on the sidelines family was always prioritized i think that's something that i sort of inherited as a script from the society that i lived in um so i grew up with the notion i mean uh, that blood is thicker than water that it's family that will really come to help you when you're in trouble and so on friendships were necessary but they were always uh, in a hierarchy they occupied the second rung and for me finally when i first thought of this question of um, popular culture what i remember is that i'm fully dating myself here my first awkward profile picture was um, was a still from dilchata hai right i remember i was in ninth standard i was in salem in a small town in tamil nadu there was exactly one theater that screened hindi films and because my mom had grown up in delhi we had this habit of going to the theater and watching hindi films and i remember it was a still of these three friends sitting on the ramparts of a fort and looking out into the sea they were sharing a quiet moment and i just latched on to that moment because i felt that this was a version of adulthood that i could aspire to right and that was my profile picture for the longest time on awkward um so i mean and and at that point i didn't realize how few representations of women's friendship there were on screen um i also did not realize how even in uh, popular culture that uh, seemed to center friendship the monogamous often heterosexual but not always uh died was prioritized right i mean friends really comes to an end uh, the show friends comes to an end when everybody finds a partner i mean the last episode is just um, phoebe has mike um ross has rachel chandler and monica get together and there's of course joey but uh, it's almost as if uh with the end of your 20s or at least your mid 30s your friendships then take a back seat and family uh becomes the fulcrum on which you take most of your life decisions uh and it took me a while uh to decenter or to destabilize this narrative uh because i also saw it as that growing up uh that the 20s i was looking really looking forward to my 20s because i felt that that was the decade in which i would prioritize my friendships and have fun before i retreated into a more stable life with family uh but thankfully for me that narrative has been destabilized now for me also um there's this film in telugu called happy days and it's like it's about like college friends and it's like really like a feel good sort of movie and you really enjoy it and you feel like a camaraderie with the characters that you see because they they're all just so playful and then and then the movie when it ends it's like everyone just couples up and sim- similar to the ending of friends <laughs> like everyone couples up and it's supposed to be bittersweet because like this joyous playful part of your life is over and then you kind of also have something to look forward to because you kind of have a partner now but then it's also bittersweet because it's the end of play and like friendship is just associated with with unseriousness in a way that you're supposed to get over and enter into like adulthood the world of responsibility taxes insurance and all of that which which make which creates this dichotomy between like romantic love is just like the practical adult thing to do and it inf- infuses like 
mon- mundanity in that when it doesn't have to and then it in- infuses like unseriousness in play when it doesn't have to and that binary is just very confusing to me like because so often when these when these narratives end like even with this film and even with friends at the tv show it's like you're left with a feeling like why did they have to do this like wouldn't it be so nice if they could just continue doing this forever and then you're reminded that that's supposed to be a silly thought like come on they can't actually do that you have to grow up at some point but then it's like why is why is growing up the end of friendship being this like central narrative of your life so yeah those pop culture messagings were always very like sad to me so i just wonder like clearly there's this anxiety around the fact that friendship is supposed to be transient and like you said nithila like blood is thicker than water and like when things get serious and the stakes get high you need to rely on family uh, which uh, you know either you need to create a family through like marriage or you rely on the family who you've uh, grown up with and you know who's looked after you since you were young so um just wondering that does the transient nature of friendships is that what causes it causes us to feel anxious about it or causes that anxiety that these can't be our partners for life does it require more commitment or is there something liberating or potentially revolutionary about the fact that they don't have that kind of permanency okay um yeah i think yes and no to that question i think it's both of course the transient nature of it uh does give you pause and make you a little anxious about whether this is something that will stay especially when um I mean again speaking of the current situation that I'm in in my mid 30s where friends are moving cities for careers for families and so on and then you have this anxiety of whether uh, this will actually last right uh, but at the same time transient friendships can also be celebrated because uh, sometimes a memory of a friendship is enough to tide you through a terrible time right just knowing that this person existed in your life and was able to um give you something or was able to fashion you in a particular way so i think it's yes and no but for me what has uh, really been um what i'm really grateful for is my single women and non-binary friends right um they are my ride or die uh because i think there is something about the shared lived experience of uh being uh single in a society that places so much premium on marriage and motherhood that you have the shared experience of what it means then how society treats you whether it's just finding a house which becomes so difficult if you're single in your mid 30s people ask all sorts of questions about why you're single um uh, so i think these are the friends really who understand um the kind of situations that you face in your everyday life and for me these friendships and of course i think as you grow old uh, i feel like there's just so much pressure whether it's from uh, your job whether it's from other things taking care of your parents uh, i think one needs to be more intentional i think when you're younger it's easier to keep your friendships because uh, there's not much else that demands that much of your attention but i think as you grow older i see myself becoming more intentional about friendship uh, and for me the pandemic was also a turning point really it um, had a major impact in the way i thought about friendships uh, i got back in touch with a lot of friends during the pandemic uh, we then made it um, something of a ritual to keep in touch with each other to check in on each other to do the video calls um, and i think that level of intentionality can then help us deal with this anxiety of friendship being transient right but it involves some kind of labor from all parties involved 
I want to take off from where Nithila left off in a sense that all relationships take labor of some kind or the other. And the question really is whether you're willing to put that investment in. And some, and it's not true just of friendships. It's true of all kinds of relationships, right? People are estranged from family. They're estranged from siblings. They're estranged from parents even. Uh, parents are estranged from children. And so all, all relationships have both the potential, I would argue, to be permanent or to be transient. There are some that, as Roita and Nithila pointed out earlier, have a structural, structural assumption that they are permanent. Right? But the question really is, are they permanent? And then there are others, like friendships, which are assumed to be transient, but that many of us have found that they are not, in fact, transient. But I, I also want to quote from, from the book. There's an essay in our book by a writer called Sadia Khatri. It's called Some Women Pass Me Like Weather. Yeah, And she talks about the real transient relationship. People you see on the street with whom your eye meets for a moment or you help somebody or you're crying and you meet someone's eye. It's just that transient. And she begins, I'm just going to read just her opening. She says, Some women pass me like weather. They come hang in my sky, then slide past. They are made up of winds I will not sail through again. Some come as the touch of the sun upon exhausted rain. Others arrive as rain itself. I don't always learn their name. Instead, I learn to call them Providence, Kismet, Lucky Cloud in a Storm. And she talks really about what are really transient moments. And we've all experienced them, right? You, you talk to someone on the train and you never see them again, right? Uh, you... There are all of these people, right? You you meet someone in a bathroom and you have a safety pin that they need or they have a safety pin that you need. Yeah, so so I think, I, I, I mean, I just thought it was interesting that you asked about transients and Sadia's piece actually looks at real transients in a sense. That's really interesting. And that's such a beautiful, like, uh, essay that you just quoted from. Um, but, you know, when we talk about transients um, and then when we ask the question... Um, can, can friends be our partners for life? Uh, there are these beautiful moments where like people come into your life and they go and they, like they add texture and meaning in a in a way that not uh, many relationships can. But when we talk about like friends assuming a more permanent role in our lives, like I, I just wanted to ask both of you like, is it possible in the in the world that we're living in right now to basically just do life with a friend? Like mm-hmm. the way that you would do life with a partner uh, that you're married to or in a long-term relationship with, like, can is it or would would that sort of mimic? Like, if you were to set out to do life with a friend and just, you know, um, live, find a house with them and live with them and do groceries with them and whatever, would that mimic like a monogamous relationship in a way that you know? What is the what is the boundary between a friendship? and a monogamous relationship, which is more like socially sanctioned, because I think that's like a question that comes up when we think about whether it's even possible, right, to live with a friend and uh, to have them as a partner for life. I I don't, uh, I mean, I I, I sort of want to start responding from to that by by, 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 by,
pointing to uh, a historical relationship that is called a Boston marriage. Yeah, and I quote from the Wikipedia entry. It says, historically, the cohabitation of two wealthy women, independent of financial support from a man. The term is said to have been in use in New England in the late, in the 19th, early 20th century. Some of these relationships were romantic in nature and might now, might, might now be considered lesbian relations, but others were not. Yeah, so some of these women simply lived together as friends and they shared their lives, right? Um, and so I think it should certainly be possible emotionally, intellectually, that the questions which you posed earlier still stand. So unless one of them inherits a house, yeah, uh, can they buy a house together? Uh, unless one of them, I think a lot of this is about the economics of it that can they afford to do this because what a what a marriage does is that it brings with it both the possibility of structural access to resources as well as support from both sides of your family so you can borrow money from your family so if you're two friends can you do this so i think that emotionally and in terms of how we wish to live our lives there may be many of us who might want to do this right the question is, is it economically feasible? I agree with Shilpa. I think, I mean, that reminded me of the line from Little Women where he says that marriage is an economic proposition, right? Uh, okay. So, um, but I don't also think that it mimics um, a heteronormative marriage because A, uh, living with friends can include multiple friends, right? It doesn't have to be one friend. But I agree with Rohita also in the sense that our social structures as they exist today don't really acknowledge uh, this to be possible, like getting house, housing loans together is still not possible. Or just even most often in most workplaces, at least putting your friend's name on insurance uh, is not possible. Uh, and I do think that, I mean, um, having all of this structural support can make a massive difference to the way we imagine intimate relationships in our lives. Um, so they don't necessarily have to mimic marriage, but I think the sort of benefits that we grant a married couple, if they are then granted by the state to friendships, that can lead for a more diverse, varied, um, community-oriented kind of living uh, that I think right now is, is swimming against the tide. I'm not saying that people aren't doing it now. There are people who live in with friends, but uh, again, you need to come with a certain sense of privilege. Uh, you need to swim against the tide as it were. And uh, definitely the state granting these uh, access to these rights can make it much easier for people to choose to live with their friends. That's really interesting. Um, and when we talk about the state uh, in, in this particular argument, like, is it is it like always desirable to have the state recognize friendships um, the way that they recognize marriages now? Because again, like a, a big conversation that we're having right now about marriages and even like same-sex marriages is that once the state enters these relationships, they do become regulated in a sense and they are limiting in terms of what you can do and how you can relate to other people. So if we were to argue that uh, if the state should recognize friendships as a legitimate relationship to do life, then is that is that also going to become of like a form of like structural limitation in a sense where like how many friends can you do it with or what kind of friends can you do it with and then the really and the difference between a friendship and uh, a monogamy like a marriage would be blurred and then what would that do for society as a whole like as in the state would be anxious about that i presume so I mean, I don't know. Is it always desirable for the state to recognize these relationships? 
uh, I don't think that the state needs to recognize all friendships. Um, so, I mean, again, this reminds me of the uh, conversation that's happening around queer marriages right now and the possibility of it, right? So just because the state allows for it doesn't mean one has to choose it. But allowing for it allows individuals to opt for it in case they want to. So, I mean, yes, of course, the state can say, I mean, if on your insurance, you, you are able to list only two other friends and not maybe all of your friends, that is still, for me, a step forward. Um, so not all friendships have to be recognized by the state. And we can acknowledge the fact that we do have multiple meaningful relationships in our lives that the state doesn't recognize. But allowing this will also allow uh, different modes of living. Uh, is what I feel. I think perhaps if one were to say that one doesn't want state recognition of friendship, that one wants the state and capitalist structures like banks to uh, create enabling policies that allow anybody to file, to ask for loans with anybody, for anybody to file taxes, even in a transient way. So I want to file taxes with someone for three years. Yeah. So, so to allow more open-ended kind of structures, yeah, I mean, I know it sounds utopian in many ways, right? Uh, that one is not asking that just as you are re regulating marriage and the family and adoption and divorce, now you start regulating friendship. It's saying, no, you open it up. You allow the privileges that you now accord only to certain relationships. You allow those privileges in a much more open-ended manner. Like instead of as opposed to closing things, right? Now, in many cases, we hear that if you want to uh, sort of, uh, if you want to check in to a hotel. In, and now, of course, it's being applied much more to heterosexual couples. Uh, if you're two women or two men, you can check in far more easily into a hotel than if you're particularly a young man and a young woman, whatever your relationship to each other might be, quite often the receptionist of the hotel, they say, what is your relationship to each other? Who cares? Why should you care, right? So what we need to do is we need to strike at the heart of these kinds of conservatisms and say it should not matter to the state as long as we are taking a loan. No, you see whether we can pay it back. If you think we can pay it back, we should get a loan. You know, and you should have mechanisms that allow people to move in and out of those loans. You create enabling structures. I understand that it will be complex, but we, the the world and world uh, global capitalism, uh, na 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 navigates all kinds of ridiculous complexities. This should be simple, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was so well put <laughs> that this should be simple considering all the complexities that we do navigate. Um, and I think I totally agree. And I feel like not just institutionally, but, you know, even individually, there needs to be a lot more intentionality in these matters and how we treat our friendship. For me, uh, when when you talk about like long-term relationships with a partner, there's always this question of like, if somebody has to move, like, will the other person move with them or will they have to break up um, unless they're willing to do a long distance relationship? But it's not like that with friends, which is what is actually so liberatory about the way we do friendships right now, because we don't actually have to move uh, to be with a friend. Uh, I mean, like, like I, I had a group of friends in college and we were all together and the pandemic happened right in our last semester when, when we decided that we would like, go out all the time and spend like make the most of the last semester it just like was abruptly cut short and then everyone scattered uh, and then you know there would be like these conversations where everyone would like daydream about like forming a commune somewhere and settling down into old age but then <laughs> but then like the beauty of it is that it can it, it is like 
a commune anyway because as in you do you still you do maintain that relationship no matter where you are in the world and it doesn't require you to uproot your entire life uh for the sake of somebody else and for the sake of just like um becoming some kind of a conjoined entity with another individual like you can maintain your own individuality and have an amazing relationship which is what i find so like nice about friendships now so then if we were to talk about like settling down with our friends then i wonder if that sort of thing would come back into a relationship which doesn't mandate it right now so just to sort of add to what rohita was saying i think uh, that that is what is so great about friendship right that it's so expansive that it can accommodate this and that it doesn't have to be this or that so people can choose to move people can choose to not move uh, it, it's really so all encompassing and it can mean whatever you want it to mean at that particular moment in time and it can change uh, unlike a lot of other relationships that uh, that are i mean at least we're taught to see it in a particular way i think the way the generic way in which people understand friendships is so malleable it's so flexible it it can uh, accommodate all kinds of visions and i think that's wonderful about the relationship and then i also think in the way in which we speak to such a sort of build on what that uh, they are saying we often say friends like family right uh, in which we again privilege the family but actually in reality we should be doing the reverse we should be saying family like friends like to me it means a great deal that one of my cousins is a very close friend of mine not all my cousins are my close friends right we don't choose them but when you say your family are your friends i feel that's something that's saying something so we should actually be inverting this and saying family like friends yeah absolutely i i i will say though that i I disagree a little bit with that in the sense that about is it more liberating that it's expansive because I think that's where a lot of the disappointment and anxieties also come from because you see that year after year especially as you transition from 20s to 30s you see people opt out very easily and then come back and like flit in and out right and then you realize that's why I think it really helps to have um at least it's really helped me to have friends who've changed how they view their friendships and who they prioritize and how they prioritize friendships because i feel like that intentionality is really important because we accord it to romance all the time but we don't accord it in the same way or even to family right but we don't accord it into the, the same way to a friend like if a friend has a medical emergency if a family has it and you say at work oh there's a then but if you say a friend has it will you will you do, do the same thing for them and and i think that is really at least for me where it's transformative and where it's also honestly self preservatory because um with family or with one romantic partner or the way we view things it's it's not possible for that institution to be as fulfilling but i think if you put a take a little bit more of commitment into friendships then it's expansive also but it's also accountable to you which which i think is is important in fact this is something nitala and i to talk about all the time it's that if your friend is ill can you take leave will your workplace give you leave if you say my friend is ill i have to go and sit with her yeah will your workplace whereas if you say my mother my father my sister my brother my spouse definitely your child is ill your workplace will definitely be able or is likely more likely to give you leave but they say a friend they'll say where's your friend sibling where is their parent 
you know it's this kind of you know the assumption that certain people are as you say accountable and certain people are not but i also want to say as the only person in this group that has now entered her 50s is that this kind of you lose friends to romance they come back yeah they come they have they there's romance and then there's small children yeah which is even more responsibility but then children grow up and romance becomes friendship and then your friends become your friends again so so there's that you know i mean it's not that they stop being your friends but your friends have much more time for you and you have much more time for them as you as you get older and you move on to other stages of life and as i said earlier you have more money to then spend on seeing each other that is, if you're privileged yeah that in fact reminds me of an article that shilpa sent me quite recently which argues that it's not just about friends being ill but also what if i say i cannot take on this ex- do extra hours because i have to party with a friend is that then as important as child care right like uh, bringing your child back from school or some such one is seen as extremely frivolous and the other is seen as being dutiful right whereas both are about building relationships um so i mean in an ideal world these things should be hierarchized right i should be able to meet a friend and uh, sort of uh, party with them chill with them uh, so it does not necessarily have to be a friend who's ill just to like also like bring in the other side over here um it there's this art there's this work of art i'm forgetting the name of the artist but it's basically called the lines of closeness with people as time goes by and then it's represent like different relationships are represented by two lines which which show how close you are with different kinds of people like a sibling a childhood best friend a parent a pet etc and the the best friend the childhood best friend lines were very like like this and so i mean you grow apart then you come back and you grow apart then you come back and you grow apart and you come back unlike with other people where you are close together and then you diverge and never come back again um so the beauty of what like friendships are like right now without any kind of structural changes to accommodate more like recognize or legitimate friendships is that like in a friendship you can just be with the with the confidence and security that this person is going to be there in your life it's not a breakup unless something drastic happens and it's not that you become estranged or you grow apart and there's no possibility to come back together again there's always if you have friends like this you can always come back to them and like you just know that with some people um and so even when you have work and other life stuff happening to you and then you can't make time for them it's not that the friendship's going to end because of that uh, even if you, you know like um it would be amazing if i could take leave to um you know if people in general could take leave to hang out with a friend but even if you can't you know that the friend is going to be there unlike with say a partner when you see this in so many like movies and stuff where so one of the partners gets really busy and the other gets resentful and says oh you only have time for work now and not me but that's never a conversation that you have like happens a lot with friendships so i mean i think that way friendships are a, are a very important like coping mechanism and support system for the world that we live in right now without anything about it changing so i yeah i mean i don't know maybe like that's an argument to be made in favor of like staying as yeah <laughs> But do you think that your friends won't say that because uh they they feel like they don't have the right to so what if your friend does like i i have friends who will say that 
that is every time i call you you say uh, can i call you back yes yeah, so i mean there's this how busy are you anyway you know and how much time are you going to give your job and can is your job more meaningful to you than than i am and and i have friends who said said that to me how much are you going to write yeah so i feel like that do we give our friends the right to say that then or i'm not saying we also does does the world give the society give friends the right to make those kinds of claims or what rudishti was calling uh, as accountable that are we accountable to our friends and on the one hand like you're saying not being accountable accountable is liberatory right but uh, being accountable is also nice sometimes right it gives you claim it gives you, i don't know uh, i think i think that it's it's gray i think that that there are arguments to be made on either side yeah yeah for sure i mean like especially right now like i do also have friends who 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 do pull my leg in the same way but then mm-hmm. that's a different right like they pull your leg and it's not actually like a conversation where they're like we need to rethink our friendship because i don't think because that's also the kind of zeitgeist we're living in right now where uh sometimes like the therapy speak uh, enters a friendship and then people are like i don't think this friendship is serving me anymore and we should end it and you pra- kind of bring these formal relationship structures into a friendship and then like there's been a lot of conversation about that as well like we even did a campaign on the rise of the therapy speak friend um where a lot of people shared their experiences of like friends drawing boundaries and calling them out for toxic behavior and ending friendships very abruptly and so in a time like that to have a friend who can just like say what they're thinking without threatening to leave you for something yeah. is also really like valuable especially now given situation yeah. yeah yeah but also friend, fr- friendship ha- ha- has to be reciprocal in some way I, i don't know if it's happened to you but c- 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 certainly with me i've had good friends whom after a point when you're you're no longer situationally in the same place right you don't meet every day because you're not in the same college or you're not in the same workplace and you want to stay in touch and you try and every time you get in touch your friend responds but they never make the move at some point yeah. you stop because you feel like really it's clear that it's one sided also i feel like you know that you can be that there's definitely a beauty in reconnecting and like sometimes people just need to figure who they are and then they come back to you at a different point in time but i have to say that for myself unless i had those 3 4 friends who were committed and there for me i wouldn't even have the space to not be upset with the friends who went and came back so i feel like that commitment is important because it also enables you to be understanding and be there absolutely absolutely and i think that brings up an important question right as we speak about this idea of accountability and commitment versus um liberation in in friendship is that do we need to look towards the institution of marriage and do things in marriage really need to change if we need to change how we view friendship or not and i know shilpa would probably have uh, the most experience here and <laughs> the most to say uh, about this but but does the centrality or the ways in which we navigate marriage really have to change for us to change how we view friendship like institutionally socially and individually i think the short, short answer is yes i think that we do need to rethink the binary way in which we approach 
relationships, right? Either they are sexual or they are not. They are family or they are friends. They are, you know, they are constantly operating in these binaries, and these binaries then then uh, assign more or less uh, status or value to one or the other, right? So your romantic relationships are supposed to uh, take up more of your time than your friendships, right? Uh, and there isn't, there's no rule book that says this. has to be the case right that that we really need to 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 rethink the ways in which we uh, we imagine i mean of course again it's it's highly utopian because structures are built around these ba- ba- these ba- ba- binaries right and this also raises a question of like why does this binary even exist right and we talk about like how monogamous relationships like there has to be room in them for mari- uh, for friendship as well but then why do we not talk about the flip side where in friendships there like can there be room for like sexuality to enter like people talk about this with queer friendships right there's an article in mike for example where uh, the author says when my straight friends have sex with each other i'm always sure of one thing they either feel like they have to end the friendship or they decide to get into a long term monogamous situation but what if neither of those options serve them so the question is like why is there this totalizing expectation out of a romantic uh, monogamous relationship where you have to be best friends also and you have to have the sexual relationship also but then in a friendship it's like once like there is something sexual that happens there you have to like rethink the friendship are you more than quote unquote friends and then why is one thing more than another is also a, like a question that comes up a lot um and maybe it's like a result of living in a heteronormative society like this but yeah i mean i don't know i feel like sometimes that binary also has to be questioned i'm just taking off from what prohita said and also the piece that you sent uh, that made me think about how it's high time we acknowledge our debt to the queer community that uh, really taught us to center friendships right you know way before straight society got on uh, the idea of families of choice it's sort of prioritizing that and in this context i'd like to bring up the television show pose uh, which shout out to my students they introduced it to me and for me the vast difference between something like friends right which is white which is so insular you don't really know when friends is taking place and what's happening in the society and when you compare it to a show like pose uh which has which is a show basically that looks at the ball culture through the 1980s and 1990s in new york uh, city it really um sh- it 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 it's about personal relationships but it is constantly also talking about what's happening in society right so the main characters um there's of course a lot of joy and camaraderie in it but it's also in the face of say familiar bigotry the bigotry there's uh, police harassment there's exploitation by lovers and friends uh, there's the devastation of the aids uh, crisis that's amplified by an apathetic state you see so much of the community coming to these narrative and how friendships are also influenced by these things that are happening outside of the of these three people or four people who are friends right and for me so that is a great show uh which don't necessarily is not about friendship per se for me it centers friendship in a way that many of these other shows that i've grown up watching doesn't because friends for me could happen anywhere like it's not really talking about the socio political circumstances of the place in which it's happening um it's talking about privileged white people uh who get to live this life together whereas pose is about the struggle to make that life happen 
Um, and so I think we really owe a debt to the queer community in allowing us to expand the definition of uh, for friendship in so many, many ways. Absolutely. I think uh, that's really, really important. And I'm glad you brought that up and really important for us to even think through, right? Because then we begin to think about ideas of um, marriage, friendship, sexuality, and really boundaries in relationship and where we draw them and why we draw them the way that we do. Um, and of course, there's still a lot left to discuss. We're probably leaving people with more open questions than we are with answers. But that's sort of what this podcast also does. So on that note, see you again next time. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios, the production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films.